Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of January 5th. I'm Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and the big show, Robert Holman. And Robert, I understand you got some laryngitis today, so the answers might be short and sweet, but nonetheless, I'm excited to hear your beautiful answers. We'll get to the Wild West shootout in a second, but first, during over the holiday, the passing and loss of Hall of Famer C.J. Rayburn, which I always felt stories you heard from people. He was beloved by everybody. He just kind of had that charm. We saw John Madden pass away in the NFL ranks. I kind of feel like they're the same two iconic people in our industry. Todd, you probably met him and talked to him the most. What does this passing of C.J. Rayburn mean to the sport? He's just uh, one of those guys that kind of transcends the sport. He was – you know, there was a time there, it seemed like, where everybody, like, the only cars there were were Rayburn cars uh, back, you know, when I was first going to the races. And to see him and to see his connections with all the top drivers of Purvis and Moyer and on and on and on and on, he just, uh, um, you know, just was kind of a revolutionary, innovative figure uh, in short track racing. Ned Howe kind of on the asphalt side. C.J. Rayburn on the on the dirt side. And then he raced, too. was really cool. I remember going to Brownstown back early in the day. It's like, oh, and, and C.J. Rayburn's out there. And he, he wasn't the best driver. I think admit that to him. He, he won some big races, and he'd get out there and mix too. But I think his maybe uh, more overarching than all this is his personality is what really comes out uh, uh, when we talk about the interview of these people, about the stories, about what – all the crazy stories about when you went to CJ's shop and, and how generous he was with the drivers from uh, the very top uh, to the very bottom level. Uh, just the, you know, kind of a, I, I've been liking to say modern, kind of a modern day folk hero, uh, part soothsayer, part genius, uh, you know, kind of a, a quirky guy in some ways, but also, uh, you know, somebody everybody liked to know and everybody liked to talk to. You picture a dirt late model driver or industry, especially in like the 80s and mid 90s. It's like, all I always think of, but no doubt it's CJ Rayburn. He just looked grizzled. He always had a smile on his face. He was always dialed in. Yeah, and just like you said, there's just a lot of great memories from the guy. Jonathan Davenport told Michael Rigsby last year before the Rigsby report that him and CJ were at the shop. Well, they decided to go out and have a few drinks, go bar hopping, and that's a, like a thing that he liked to do. Well, on their way home, J.D.'s driving, and C.J. falls asleep. And Davenport's in the middle of Indiana, has no idea where to go, so he's trying to find his way home while C.J.'s in the passenger seat sleeping. So just one of those stories that everybody, it seems like, in the racing world, you mentioned it in the video, cast that somebody's always connected to him. Robert, car owner, you've been racing. What did he mean to the sport, especially with the modern-day late model? Derek, I remember when when we first got uh, our first Rayburn car in the nineteen late nineties. I'm sorry, late eighties. We felt like we had finally arrived. Oh, uh, you know, we had a stock clip car for for years and and had some success, but you know, you wanted that that full tube, full frame car, and you wanted to. Once you got one of those, it's like, hey, I've got a Rayburn. It's like you were in a club that everybody else had been in for a couple of years. And you could finally start to enjoy the same success. You felt like you could at least start to enjoy the same success that they enjoyed. 
I mean, the guy changed the way we think about cars. The guy changed the way we do things. And I think what's amazing is that, you know, he started out as an engine builder and just kind of by, by default became a chassis guy. So I think that is overlooked. And, and, and he's just going to – the things that he taught us and the things that he did with this sport are just going to are, are gonna continue to be with us for a long, long time. Yeah, no doubt about that. Growing up in Illinois, it seemed like everybody had a Rayburns. You went through the pit area, there'd be 70 late models. I think 60 of them probably at one time, especially in the Midwest, had them. Billy Moyer ran them. He was probably the most famous driver to you know have a lot of success with them. Kovac, you've been in this industry for a long time. What kind of great anecdotes or stories do you have of C.J. Rayburn? Maybe not with you personally or just some other type of stories that drivers or other people in the industry have told you. Yeah, I wish I, I, I'd never been to the C.J. Rayburn shop or you know, out to lunch with him. All these stories about people going out to lunch because that was a big thing. You go to his shop. I think Robert uh, mentioned that in his blog about C.J. that if you go there, everything kind of like, all right, it's time for lunch. Let's go. That's I hear that from everybody you talk to. And, and, and those lunch breaks would be you know, at the tavern in town or whatever, and they'd be a long time. They wouldn't. It wouldn't be like a one hour lunch. Use two or three hours. And, you know, Bob Pierce told me how he uh, uh, you, you'd go out to lunch with 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 C.J. Rayburn and and it would become almost a tour of the town or something, too. He'd be driving around town and he'd be like, oh, over here, this is a you know, I used to go out with the girl who lived in that house. And, uh, you know, here's a here's this place. I, you know, I used to hang out over here. You know, he just like give you, a, a, you know, you'd, you'd be driving all over the place before you even got back to the shop. Uh and he was always kind of a, a night owl too, I guess. Uh, he was uh, he wasn't a early to bed guy. He was uh, up late at night, and uh, so uh, you could expect to have late nights when you'd go out with him. Uh, uh, Bob Pierce also told me one story about like uh, he told he had told a lot of stories. Bob has a lot of stories, and uh, he was loaned him for forty years. He knew Rayburn and raced for him for uh, you know a good uh, two decades out of that, I guess, and. Uh, and and he said there were so many people. He was you, you hear about CJ how how uh, he helped so many guys and and probably sometimes to his detriment you know financially where he would give him a car give him an engine you know just like and, and and a lot of these guys he he would never see any more money from from so many and I, I'm sure there's a lot of bills out there that he's for, forgave over the years and um and Bob had had told me that he owed. CJ ten thousand dollars for for three years and, and and was like I'm gonna pay you CJ I'm gonna pay you CJ never you know bat you know uh was after him for the money or anything and finally Bob got the cash and he won some races got some sponsorship or whatever got the cash or brought it over to CJ and he went he came into CJ's house which is right you know next to the shop everybody would always visit the house too and uh and he has the ten thousand dollars and he says CJ I got something for you and CJ's on his couch sleeping. Uh, CJ wakes up, he hands a, Bob hands him the $10,000. CJ says, what's this? And he goes, well, it's your $10,000 I owe you. And he said to CJ just started crumpling it all up, this money. And, and was like, all right, it's all there. Good. That's good. Thanks. You know, <laughs> he's like, you know, and Bob's like, really? You're not going to count it all? And he goes, oh no, I'm all right. It's good. You know, <laughs> so he just took his word for it. And, but I guess that's the way CJ was. He was so generous. Uh, um, I, I just uh, actually touched base with Kevin Rumley, uh, who, who uh, you know, obviously is one of the the, the top, uh, you know, great engineer. He's the car owner of the six car. Kyle uh, 
Kyle Larson has been driving and, you know, he, he was out there at, uh, at the Rumley shop a few years ago. I'm, you know, he was, he talked about it a lot. Him and Jonathan Davenport always, when Jonathan Davenport was called, uh, driving for him and they hung out there for a few days and, and, and Rumley just, he, he called, the uh, 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 CJ, the most generous person he's ever come across. I mean, he just helped out anybody who needed it and, and never, uh, never expected anything in return. And then that's kind of something uh, that that's uh, that's really special about CJ Rayburn. Yeah, and even Kevin Rumley posted a picture of those two in the shop together in his little car garage. And I think it was the same year in 2015, and that's when they kind of made that noise there. And they're kind of looking at the left rear too. So maybe maybe Rumley won't say anything, but maybe CJ had a little innovative for that year to make that car go fast. Robert, you got something for us? Uh, speaking to, to Raver's generosity, we bought a car up there in 95 and my stepdad went up there to get it. And, uh, and I remember him saying, you know, well, we, we went out to dinner and we had a steak dinner and, and I just thought that was the strangest thing. I thought that was quite a, quite odd. Uh, clearly it wasn't, uh, which we all learned later. I went up there and picked up a car that we bought in 2006 and my mom went along with me and Rayburn takes me and my mom out to lunch. We sit there and, you know, have a, an hour lunch and have a, a nice, a nice meal. And it was just one of those things that he enjoyed doing and he enjoyed doing with people who came by, you know, he obviously never missed a meal, you know, because of all the stories you hear. And uh, and I think that I just always thought that was so weird. You mean, what do you mean you had a steak dinner with Rayburn? And then you know, ten years later, I'm up there and, and he takes me and my mom out, and I'm like, wow, that's that's I I just was kind of beside myself. It was it was uh, you know, you feel like that you belong when you do that. You go out to dinner with C.J. Rayburn, but then you realize, oh heck, he does that with everybody, and it's just the way he was. You know, he's he's just a great guy. Yeah, it just seemed like Rayburn. In his heyday, towards the late 90s, it seemed like everybody was getting the his car, his chassis. And, Todd, I looked at the Eldora history page. In 1998, 10 of the 24 starters were in a Rayburn car. Four of the top five were in his race car. When he was at the top of his game, how iconic and how legendary was it that everybody need, needed a Rayburn race car? Like I said before, I mean, it just seemed like for a time everybody was in his car. And I guess he won. I believe Raymond Carts won 13 World 100s and the million, uh, and obviously lots of crown jewels and championships over and over throughout that period. It, you know, a little less so, you know, younger folks probably have heard a lot about Rayburn, but haven't certainly haven't seen his cars uh, in action as much as before. I do, I did recount the story, I guess, in 2014 when Dennis Herb won in his car, in a Rayburn car at, uh, at East Bay. That was, uh, that was a big deal. It was for Rayburn's first win at Speed Weeks in several years, and uh, uh, that was that was a, a big night. And I remember they CJ didn't even watch the race. It's kind of a long story, but the Dennis, you know, he he wanted to get Rayburn in victory lane, so he made sure that Rayburn came down there, and then they took a picture together of that uh, 2014 win at East Bay, uh, which you know that'll you know I guess East uh, Rayburn kind of technically shut his doors and in 2019 so that'll go down as one of the last ones but uh but uh for Rayburn but you know yeah uh, over the years thousands and thousands of victories in uh, Rayburn race cars 
What's the best story maybe you had with him or some other person's contacted you since his passing? Any good ones come to mind? Um, probably, probably the best story I had, and we're, these will be on the website, but uh, because of the, you know, just random uh, episodes people had with CJ. My favorite one is, is from Doug McCammon, the, uh, the Illinois racer. And he said, uh, you know, and, and I heard this from more than one, more than one person. You show up at CJ's uh, place and it's not like the car was sitting there ready to go most of the time, do some work or whatever. So McCammon was left by and he's kind of standing there waiting for the Rayburn's guys to finish it. And Rayburn comes out and says, McCammon, you're not doing anything. Why don't you go empty the trash? McCammon's kind of like, what do you mean empty the trash? Uh, and he and he's and he kind of looks at CJ and goes, Would you go tell Jeff Purvis to empty the trash? And Ray Warren's kind of like, eh, probably not, but you're not Jeff Purvis. So <laughs> Rayburn had some good uh, some good retorts for uh for for and, and that's just one of many stories like that at the shop that are that are hilarious. Yeah, Todd brings up Jeff Purvis there, and uh and obviously he was probably you know, he was the first real big guy, uh, you know, Charlie Schwartz was in there too, you know, in, in the eighties there. I mean, he was the, he won the, the started winning the world one hundreds with him with uh, Rayburn cars. And, uh, and, and, and he seems like he, Pierce Moyer, those were two of the, the main of his main guys, uh, over, over the years. And, and Bob Pierce told me one story about, yeah, well, you, you mentioned that, like, yeah, like Todd's mentions that uh, Jeff Purvis, he wouldn't be told to take out the trash, but Pierce did, I, I mean, um, excuse me, uh, Rayburn did get some little digs in on, on Purvis too. He didn't just let him slide because uh, Bob said, Bob Pierce said that one time he was in the shop with Purvis, uh, two well-dressed guys came in that were going to buy a car uh, from, from Rayburn and, and, Pierce says over, he, he leans over to uh, Purvis as Rayburn is talking to those two other guys far away and says, you watch this. He's going to say, you he's going to tell those two guys, look, see those two guys over there? See those two dumbasses over there? If they would just listen to me, they would win a lot more races than they do because they're really good. And Purvis, you know, Pierce said, Purvis looked at him and said, man, well, no, he ain't going to, he's going to call me a dumbass? Just, he's going to call us dumbasses? He goes, you just watch. And like right after that, he just looked over and then Ray Burns telling those guys, there's look at those two dumbasses over there and they don't listen to me, you know, and, and Purvis like, I can't believe he just said that. I can't believe he told me he's a dumbass. I'm like, call me a dumbass. And then Bob and, uh, and Purvis, neither of them went to lunch with them. Like a couple minutes later, they, that's a, that, that was their protest. I guess they decided not to go to lunch with, uh, with, uh, uh, with with CJ because they called him a he called him a dumbass. <laughs> Gosh, we could go on for Rayburn stories. I feel like you guys are going to get some good stories. I saw you post on social media. Please send in your favorite memory of the Hall of Famer, Robert. Final thought on CJ: Is he on the Mount Rushmore of dirt late model racing? You know, he is the Mount Rushmore. You know, he's he's the the central figure. If you ask me, he's right there in the middle of. If you know, uh, if you put four guys up there, I think it's clear who the other two are. And then there's Rayburn, and then we could argue for days about who that fourth one will be. But uh, but yeah, he's he's clearly there. I mean, he's a I call him the Godfather of our sports. What I called him, and I don't I don't know, you know, if if you needed something, he was there for you. If you needed a one liner, he was there for you. Uh, if you needed dinner, he was there for you. I mean, he was just he was just you know. 
it's like he was the godfather. You came into his shop, and, and he, he wasn't going to hold your hand. Uh, I, I, I read a story on Facebook from Mike Vaughn, who was the, you know, who created the, what is now the Crate Racing USA deal and is a big friend, a good friend of Jeff Purvis. He said when Purvis showed up to Rayburn's shop to pick up his car to go to the World 100, the car wasn't even built yet. You know, like the whole chassis was still in the jig. So, you know, that, and I had to say, I had the same experience. I went up there in 06 to pick up my car. It was still sitting outside with rust getting on it, you know, and, and I looked at it in just dismay and Rayburn, Rayburn kind of looks at me and says, you know, that'll help the paint stick better. I didn't, I didn't know what to say, you know? So, but he was right. I came home and painted it and sure enough, it, it, it stuck a whole lot better than anything I'd ever done before. So, you know, he was just ahead of his time. And, and I think that, uh, the outpouring of, of support and, and condolences and stories and stuff that we've seen on social media, uh, to me, it's unparalleled from anything I've seen in racing uh, up to this point. Yes, CJ was truly one of a kind, an innovator, the godfather, as Robert would say. Thoughts and uh, condolences to the family of the passing of a legend, the Hall of Famer, means a lot to this sport. It's basically the innovator of the modern day late model, in my opinion, the Mount Rushmore, whatever. Uh, you could, there's just so many words to describe that man. But moving on, fellas, we got racing this weekend. I know that 12 day, no racing, off season, we can call it. I looked this up. The shortest off season in professional sports is 26 days with golf and the PGA Tour. We're smoking that half the time, only 12 days in the video cast. Wild West shootout, new state, different track. But Todd, how important is the Wild West shootout to this industry and this sport? Well, you know, as you mentioned, we've kind of gone to year-round racing, but 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 the Arizona races and now moving to New Mexico, uh, that clearly had been a, a key part of the winter racing. Even way back uh, when Moyer and uh, Larry Phillips and those guys would go to Manzanita, Arizona's kind of always had a, a winter spot, and it's really been healthy about the last 20 years. Uh, moving among uh, tracks in Costa Grande and Tucson and near Phoenix there, uh, and again now to New Mexico. But it it has uh, you know it's kind of had its ups and downs over the years. But uh, but there's no uh, there's no uh, weak sisters on the winners list out there. I mean it, you have to beat some guys when you go out there to that southwestern racing, and it's been a uh, uh, really a, a, a you know kind of the introductory. I know Kevin Kevin likes to call it the pre kind of the spring training because because it, it's kind of before speed weeks where you know for many years speed weeks was kind of the beginning of the season but then you have this uh winter racing out there in arizona that clearly has kind of uh, uh etched its way into the schedule as well so uh there's lots of guys clearly that love coming because there's uh several regulars that are almost always have gone to those arizona races and now we'll go to new mexico as well so it's a uh, it's a neat uh, neat time on the race schedule yeah, the Wild West shootout, to me, always just had that charm. It was even spring training for us workers covering the event because we had days off. We could go to Las Vegas for a couple of days, go to the Grand Canyon, Sedona. It's in New Mexico now. Kovac, Todd even said you call it the spring training, the Wild West shootout. Is it still spring training? Because I think these teams take it so serious now. A lot of money on the line. I don't think it's spring training as much as it might have been a few years ago. 
Yeah, probably not since uh, you could win $300,000 if you had sweep all the races. And so I'm sure guys are coming loaded for bear to try to do that and or, or get the other bonuses that are available. And, and, and there's more money in, in the races now uh, than, than there used to be. I mean, there wasn't a 25,000. You couldn't win $25,000 for the last race like it is, like it has become. So uh, it, there's a there's a, there's a lot more on the line than there ever used to be, and and then there's a lot more races uh, before and right after it. It's not like you know we haven't had that break, and then this is you know it, it, we we don't miss the racing, I guess, as much as as you would norm as you used to when this came about. Uh, you know, the December would kind of be barren of races, so you get to January in the uh, in the and, and the races in Arizona, and you're kind of like, man, here, get, get to see late models again. We're going to be seeing racing for the first time in a while. Uh, and, and it's not like that. And and there's racing and speed weeks immediately after this. So that's kind of taken a little bit of the difference. But I think it's replaced by just uh, in, in how entrenched it is on the schedule now and how uh, uh, how, how much money is on the line now and it, how, how that's become made it a, a much bigger event. Yeah, and I'm liking this. Last year, Volusia 1.0 butted up heads with the Wild West shootout. This year, you all have that, so you have guys immediately going west to Florida. That means those guys going to Florida for Speed Weeks have the option of choosing the Outlaws or Lucas Oil because they can run both series and it doesn't you know, cross over. So it'll be very interesting to see after Florida in February what drivers will be running what series. Robert, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time of you covering the mini-series for Dirt on Dirt, you're headed there for the final weekend stretch of it. How excited are you? What are you looking forward to here at Vado? You, uh, you are correct, 100% correct. This is the first time I've done the the wild, excuse me, guys, the Wild West Shootout, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be heading out there uh, Friday, actually, and and so I get to take, uh, and I'm driving along with uh, my daughter who just graduated college is going with me. So we are kind of making it a, a little mini vacation for us the first half of the week. And then I'll be there to, to cover the, the last four events for us. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm looking forward. I know the weather is not like, uh, you know, Florida weather. So not 100% sure what to pack just yet. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think, you know, if you look at, at what I like about it is it shines a spotlight on the racing out west and it's something that we don't usually get to do you know obviously during the the course of the the regular season when you have uh you know the the southwest dirt racing association out there that runs usually uh, they put on several races but they only run for like a thousand dollars you know a race so for us to get out there and have this big money races and have some of those guys that are out there that we read about during the course of the year to get to see them in front of the cameras along with all these other, you know, high rollers. Uh, it's just an exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting to see, obviously, a, a new a new racetrack that I haven't visited and to see some guys that I haven't seen before. That's 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 one of the big things I'm looking forward to, to kind of put a, a face with these race cars that we see throughout the year just by, by reading our website. Uh, it gives it gives a spotlight to those guys who, who we don't really keep up with throughout the year. So I'm looking forward to that. New racetrack for you, Vado. Beautiful facility. Kovac, you've been there. You can obviously attest to it. Just gorgeous cement parking. The bathrooms are nice. It's got uh, press boxes, suites for everybody. It is a legit place, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a better, uh, more you know, a modern facility than Arizona Speedway was uh, out there near Phoenix, where the tracks well, it's gone now. Unfortunately, uh, uh, had their last race in November. Uh, uh, it, there's, it's nice. There's yeah, I said there's nice suites, nice concrete grandstands, and the racing was good too. I, and I covered the Outlaw races there two years ago. I mean, all all three races were pretty decent. Uh, uh, I, said, I remember that last race where the finale of the 75 lapper where uh, Kate Dillard passed uh, Brandon Shepard on a restart late in the race. And, and there was a, another night. I mean, Bobby Pierce was uh, got up on the wall and rolled onto his side there one night. I mean, there's some action that happened. And, uh, and, and I expect there will be plenty of it, too. I mean, there is a little bit. It's, it's a little different scene where you don't have all those uh, things to do on the off days that are as close by like you do in Arizona. You don't have a, I mean, Las Cruces is a, is a fairly decent sized town, but it's on right down the street, but it's no Phoenix. And uh, I guess maybe Robert, when he's maybe on, on his way there on, if he's driving out and maybe he can stop at area 51, you know, I mean, you got Roswell, New Mexico, a few hours away. That's a place, you know, go check you out, know, maybe find some aliens, you know, I mean, like if Scott Bloomquist was there, I mean, he'd be checking it out. I'm sure. Uh, you know, we might have some connections there with what's happening. So, uh, in that area, but I know that, that, that is kind of a tourist attraction, uh, that's, uh, w- within the, the realm of, uh, a possibility of people uh, heading over there if they want to try out something a little quirky and different. Uh, but as far as the racing, I, I think it's going to be good. Uh, uh, two of the guys that won there back at the outlaw races, uh, you know, of course, uh, Kate Dillard and Ricky Weiss, they're both going to be there. Shepard had great runs, podiums, and uh, every night when he was there with the Outlaws. So I'm sure he'll be ready to, to try to get a win. And uh, there'll, there'll be some competitive competitive race, and I think we'll see some good stuff happen uh, at Vado. Speaking of winning, Todd, big bonuses coming up. Four wins, you get 25000 Five wins, 100000 If you win all six, $300,000 presented by Penske. A, that's a lot of money on the line there. Can somebody do it? And B... We've seen the last two or three years, if you have success in Arizona, you usually have a good season. Last year, Turbo and JD, they won the most. They had phenomenal seasons. The year before that, Shepard and his family-owned car dominated the season. It is very important to get a good start in Arizona, not to mention the bonus. That is true. It's a great launching point to get. I mean, you know, let's be honest. And we talked about Rayburn. He would tell you, racing can be very mental. So, So to get a good start and to get your season rolling with some wins out there, uh, whether somebody gets the bonus or one of those bonuses, may, maybe four, I mean, winning five or six of those against that competition, uh, that's just really, I mean, that's really something special. So I, 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 I think maybe I'd leave four on the table, uh, which would be 25 grand, a good, a nice, nice payday. But uh, who I see, uh, you know, and I look at the names out there, some, some of the guys that are heading that way, lots of talented guys, but I just keep coming back to, to Bobby Pierce and Brandon Shepard. I feel like I feel like there's going to be a lot of Illinois up front out there. Uh, you know, I just kind of keep coming back to that. So we'll see how that turns out. But uh, but whether somebody can get on a roll, clearly Arizona Speedway people could win uh, two or three and get going there. Uh, will Votto provide the same uh, the same opportunity where one guy can get hot and win a bunch of races? I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, those two will be the favorites along with Mike Marler. Uh, Tyler Herb, and I think maybe a dark horse, Robert, is Earl Pearson Jr. with that Pappage team. He had speed towards the end of the season, had good runs at Knoxville. Maybe this could be a good starting point for him and that crew to get going for 2022. 
you know, he's had success out there. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all the way he, he ran towards the end of the year for him to kind of pick that up and continue it out there. And, you know, and if nothing else, like we've just mentioned, it's a great place if they want to work on some stuff to, to even, you know, get a little bit better as they get prepared to go into the new season. You know, it, it is a great place to do that. Even if you're not winning races, you mentioned Brandon Shepard uh, two years ago, you know, he wasn't on the winner's list. He didn't win a race in those three World Outlaws races, but he was on the podium every night, and look what he came back in the season and did. So you don't have to win out there to have success. So, you know, you, you could you could just uh, – uh, it, it is a great place to kind of um, get going and, and great place to kick off your year. Before, one more thing, Kovac, a dark horse, a guy that can upset the field and get a big W? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good question. I don't know. I, mean, uh, I, I mentioned this guy on uh, uh, on the video cast. So it just was uh, that for this week too with you, Derek, and in uh, Rigsby. And I mentioned Jake Tim. He's going out to from Wisconsin. He's going out to get a new uh, Longhorn car in North Carolina on his way to New Mexico. Maybe that's a guy. You know, I mean, he brings out a new race car and, and you know, kind of an unheralded. Uh, a younger guy comes out and, and, and makes some noise there and, and picks up a win. Uh, I, I, somebody would be like that. That's who I, w- I would say it could could be a possibility as a, as a dark horse uh, at, at the Wild West Shootout. That's a great pick. Also, a long haul from North Carolina. I'm going to go with Garrett Albertson. He'll be my dark horse. I think he can get a big W in that Roberts. Well, guys, it's time for one more thing. We'll start off with the godfather, Todd Turner. I haven't talked for a while. We had those special pre-recorded shows during the holidays. So what have you, uh, anything come to mind here? These last two weeks are coming up. Well, we, a lot of the schedules got announced in the fall, but we're seeing uh, more come out this week. I like the Comp Cam Super Dirt Series schedule. Uh, it came out this week. They got some neat things, including their first trip to Alabama. Uh, in March, they're going to have a 10,000 to win, 5,000 and 10,000 to win weekend there at Talladega. Uh, and that follows a five and $10,000 to win weekend at Boot Hill, which also comes back later in the season with the 12,000 to win Louisiana Dirt Track State Championship. So, uh, of course, they go to Batesville and some of their regular scheduled or regular races, I 30 and all that. Uh, but those races jumped out at me. The, the, Food Hill races and the and the Talladega races is a nice addition to the schedule, and that uh, I think we've all kind of agreed that that series is really one of the most solid uh, regional tours going. So it looks like they got a good slate to head into this year. Yeah, it seems like the Sullivans keep making that series better and better, and some big paying races for that uh, regional series, like you mentioned, Robert. How about you? One more thing. Oh, one thing that we we really haven't mentioned. Um, we kind of maybe even overlooked is the ice ball at Talladega short track. You know, it's coming up this weekend um, for years since 1991 when Ronnie Johnson won the very first one. That was the race that kicked off the, the dirt late model season. Now, obviously that race doesn't have as much of an impact on uh, super late model racing uh, as it has, you know, in recent years, but uh, they still will draw probably 300 cra- uh, cars across all their divisions. It is just a, a, a monster event down there at, at, at Talladega Short Track. And Todd, I'm pretty sure, said that he's already got the story about Michael Page winning the race written. So we'll see if Michael Page can win his sixth 
straight ice ball, which I don't know if I don't even know if people realize how difficult that is. You can be great at a track, but you have to have a lot of luck. You have to qualify well. You have to get a good draw. You have to win your heat race with that many cars on the track. And keep in mind, this year's ice ball is switched to a Friday-Saturday format, not racing on Sunday. Sunday's the rain-out date. Sunday's the rain date. So it's a Friday-Saturday deal this year. Keep that in mind. I also think the weather is going to be as about as good as possible that that event can have in January like that. I think it's going to be pretty warm. Hopefully have a great, great successful weekend. Kovac, one more thing for you, buddy. Uh, I mentioned this uh, on the video cast, and I want to mention it here again. Uh, you know, condolences to the family of Ron Slavic, a uh, longtime apparel maker out of Western Pennsylvania. Uh, for guys like with the Rocket team, Josh Richards, Boom Briggs, Chubb Frank, uh, Brandon Shepard, he does all their T-shirt stuff and, and, and all their apparel. And uh, a great guy. I mean, one of the guys that you always want, I'd always want to go talk to in Vendor Row. Uh, when he's there with his uh, apparel trailer and, you know, fellow Pennsylvanian and and he uh, uh, succumbed to, to COVID at 52 years old uh, on uh, right before Christmas. That was a real shocker. And uh, I know that it's, it's not going to be the same going to that, uh, to vendor row and not having uh, Slavic there to, to, you know, to bust balls with and, and chat with uh, at all the races that, that he attends and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll really be missed. I know all the vendor, all his fellow vendors will be uh, feeling, feel the same way. I mean, he was, he was a, a stalwart at, at so many of the big races and, and, uh, you know, heart, heart goes out to the whole family uh, and everybody else that knows Ron. Yeah. And I remember when boom Briggs texted me, I saw the news about that. I was very heartbroken. Got to meet him, of course, with through you at the races. And he's definitely one of those characters. He told his mind, no matter what it was. I remember you and him vividly had an argument about Mike Tomlin, that he wasn't a very good coach, but Mike Tomlin never had a losing uh, season. So it's one of those uh, stories that you always get from him. It's going to be going to miss him, going to miss him at Fairbury eating steak sandwich, sandwiches with us. He was a great guy. And just, you know, thoughts to Tyler and his, uh, his other kid and, you know, just thinking of them, the t-shirt guys, all that stuff. Cause they travel a lot to all these races and he's definitely going to be missed. And my, one more thing is uh, how is Kay Diller going to do in that uh, new car there? So the Black Diamond, his little area there, Black Diamond maybe has kind of fell off the radar a little bit the last few years, and especially with Earl Pearson Jr. leaving them. So let's see if they can bounce back. That's uh, something we'll keep an eye on this weekend. But, fellas, we got racing this week. The Wild West Shootout will be live on Flow Racing Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we got a great full week of racing at Vado. We got the Ice Bowl. We'll have full highlights of that. Of course, you guys with the greatest stories on it telling us the tale. I cannot wait for it. Racing's gearing up here in 2022.